0: What do Sonny and Cher, Buddy Rich, All Sing I, and Britney Spears have in common? On this episode, we open the box and examine the further art, both performing and visual, of the original doll, Britney Spears. The podcast will feature backgrounds to original and cover songs, videos, and performances that have played a part in the life of Britney Spears. There will be stories and interviews with people from all aspects of the entertainment industry songwriters, DJs, producers, casting agents, radio insiders, choreographers, costume designers, and more. I created this podcast as a fan of music, and I wanted to use my Latino voice to shine a light on the arts. Many people see only a small fraction of what it takes to create a global superstar. In this podcast, we will deep dive and go behind the scenes to show many aspects of the entertainment industry rarely heard on podcasts. We will also be doing something different at the original Dal, we believe in being philanthropic on our socials and patreon page we will have links on how to help others oftentimes the arts are the first removed in schools because funding is cut the goal of this podcast is to shed a light on the many parts of the industry music is important dance is important art is important so take your seat Lights out, performers in place, as we present you with the original Dial podcast. Don't you want my iconography? Don't you want to stand? Don't you want to aim for stars you see? Don't you want my iconography? In 1962, a 16 year old named Sherilyn Sarkeesian would meet 27-year-old Salvatore Bono. Salvatore got his big break when the song he wrote, Things You Do To Me, was recorded by Sam Cooke. He would go on to work with mega-producers Phil Spector. And it was during this time that Sherilyn and Salvatore got romantically involved. The duo decided to try music. They would become Caesar and Cleo. Nothing came from the duo. It was... Then that they decided to change their name again. They would become Sonny and Cher. On July 9, 1965, the first single from the debut album was released. The name of the song, "I Got You Babe," written and produced by Bono. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. Babe. And in 2002, Britney Spears would perform the duet with UK presenter Frank Skinner. It would become a number one song for Sonny and Cher. And in 1965, Sonny and Cher would be nominated for Best New Artist at the Grammys. And almost 45 years later, Britney Spears would also be nominated for Best New Artist. She, just like Sonny and Cher, would go home empty handed. For Sonny and Cher, the years would pass and they would have some hits. But ultimately, the music scene was changing. The music was getting louder and harder. Jimi Hendrix and the Doors, while well, they were becoming more successful with the general public, politics would be playing a huge part in music at this time. As a response, Sonny wrote a song. On December 13, 1966, Sonny and Cher would set to record the song. The lyrics to their song "The Beat Goes On" talk about events that were taking place during the time of the recording. From the beginning of 1960 to the end, the skirts, well, they kept rising and rising, ultimately leading to miniskirts. That last verse talked about the Vietnam War, and the final verse in the song. That was saying, in spite of all of this, you still have nostalgia. That arrangement would be handled by Harold Batiste. That well-known syncopated bass line? Well, that was created and played by Carol Kay, who would become one of the most prolific recorded bass guitarists, playing on over 10,000 recordings over 50 years. At the time that Sonny wrote The Beat Goes On, Carol had worked with musical genius Phil Spector. Not long before the recording of the beat, Carol had switched from playing just guitar to bass. The song was released and peaked at number six on Billboard Hot 100 chart the week of January 14th, 1967. In March, Sonny and Cher released their third studio album called In Case You're in Love. The album featured some original songs written by Sonny, as well as covers of iconic hits like Benny King's Stand By Me and the Mindbender's 1965 hit A the Kind of Love. We got no we got a we the got album no was preceded love. by three singles Little Man, which became a huge success and charted in the U.S. and many European countries and their next single was a minor hit called Living For You the last single released before the album that was The Beat Goes On now let's fast forward 30 years in the mid-1990s British musicians Dean Honer. Jason Buckle and Richard Barrett created the electronic group All Seeing Eye. They would release their first single, I Walk, on July 11th of 1997 through Earth Records. Their first single wouldn't chart in the UK until the week ending January 23rd, 1999. Now you may ask, what took so long? Well, the band received no attention during the initial run of the single. It wasn't until they released Buddy Rich's live version of Sonny and Shares," The Beat Goes On. This brought attention to the band. I reached out to Dean, and he was kind enough to answer a few questions about the creation of All Seeing Eyes, The Beat Goes On. Here is a snippet of their version. You alright? You good? You fans, I know this sounds familiar. I asked, why did the group pick that song? Honer said that there was no plan, we were always sampling bits and pieces from old records, and it just so happened that Jason Buckle had this record in his collection. The album was Big Swing Face, which was a live studio album by Buddy Rich. This would be Rich's second album, and was released in June of 1967. The recording of the album occurred at the end of February and the beginning of March, just a few months prior to its release. The vocalist you hear on that version? Well, that's none other than Buddy Rich's 12-year-old daughter, Kathy. You see, not long after Sonny and Cher's version hit the radio, Buddy and his daughter were driving in a car one day listening to the radio. Kathy was singing along. Buddy listened... And then he asked Kathy, well, would you want to join me on this song? She agreed. She figured she was going to be going to a recording studio. And a few years back, she told BBC Radio she was surprised when she pulled up to a club in Los Angeles, California. It was then that Kathy, she realized she was going to be recording it live and in front of an audience. When Kathy walked up to the stage, she saw the mic. She looked a little past it, and she could see none other than Superstar Judy Garland. She was sitting right there in the front row. Garland, who was no stranger to being young and performing for a crowd, gave Kathy some advice, and she took it. Now we fast forward. 1998. On June 5th, 1998, while skiing in South Lake Tahoe, California, Sonny Bono died. Sonny's wife, at the time, Mary, she requested that Cher give the eulogy. She wanted somebody great to honor this Grammy-nominated artist and his life and his career. On Sonny's headstone, it would ultimately read, and the beat goes on. Much like Sonny's music, the world would keep moving forward. You see, a month after his passing, the Grammys would finally have a category four Best Dance Recording. The first winner of it? Well, that was Donna Summer with Giorgio Moroder with their song Carry On. Moroder would work with Britney Spears on a Suzanne Vega cover almost 20 years later. The week ending March 28, 1998, saw the debut of All Sing Eyes' cover of The Beat Goes On. It would debut at number 11 and stay on the UK singles charts for nine weeks. Now, in late summer of 1998, Britney Spears was continuing recording her music that would ultimately become her debut album. Dean Honer said that All Sing I was asked to produce a version of The Beat Goes On. The group received 16-year-old Britney Spears' vocal tracks. Now, the vocals had been recorded by Eric Foster White at Battery Studios in New York City. White had also updated the lyrics. Gone were the lines about miniskirts, and wars, and bums. The miniskirts, The Current Thing, and Teeny Bopper is Our Newborn King, well, those were replaced by... uh uh All Sing I was tasked with adding her vocals on top of the group's backing track. In order to do so, they had to re-record the backing track, since they had to remove Kathy Rich's vocal samples. Honer said, We had a few friends come in and jam it out, then we sampled what they played. When I asked Dean if he had heard any other songs from what would be Britney's debut album, he said that the group was given the single Baby One More Time, and this was done before the single was actually released in October of 1998 when I asked if he knew the song was going to be included on the debut album, he said that he knew that there was a chance that it would be added onto the record. And at the end of this episode, I will update you on the remaining questions I asked Dean. Now back to the writer of The Beat Goes On. After his death, Cher would dedicate her new album to Sonny Bono. The album would be called Believe. At the 1999 Grammy Awards, the same awards that you see Britney Spears walking away with no Grammy in hand, well, Cher would receive her first and her only Grammy for her song Believe in the category of Best Dance Recording. She would embark on a world tour to support the album, and in 2000, the broadcast for Cher Live in Concert from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas would win two Emmys. The following year, Britney Spears would also be broadcasting a concert on television. As a matter of fact, on March 1st, 2001, HBO announced that a Las Vegas show at MGM grand arena, well, it would be broadcast on November 18, 2001. It was during this time that Spears requested that HBO aired the concert to the American forces network and its AFN Atlantic and AFN Pacific channels at no cost. And during her concert, She was going to interact with soldiers based at Naval Base San Diego, Fort Polk, and Lakeland Air Force Base. On July 19th, Spears' band announced via their website, britneysband.com that they would start rehearsing on September 8th for a world tour that would start in October. The day after the band announced that, Jive Records, Britney's label, they confirmed a tour was planned for the fall but that the dates were still in the works. In August of 2001, TV Guide Online reported that Cher, well, she was going to make an appearance with Britney Spears in Las Vegas. Two weeks after September 11th, Jive Records decided that they would release her album anyway, that they would announce the track listing for her third studio album, which would be called Britney. Jive also announced tour dates with the intention of starting on October 26th in Miami. However, on October 16th, Britney Spears fell ill after she returned from her press tour in Australia. Her doctor advised that she take five days off. So, the first two dates on the tour would be moved from October to December. Her tour would officially start on October 31st, 2001 in Washington, D.C. Britney Spears' first full-length HBO concert special promised many surprises. One of them being Cher. Now, Britney Spears has said, when they asked me who I would want to duet with, I was like, please, let's do it with Cher, because I remade The Beat Goes On. However, that did not come to fruition. Cher was forced to cancel the planned duet because of conflict with her European promotional schedule for her upcoming studio album, Living Proof. Britney Spears said that she found out a few weeks before the show, and that Spears felt disappointed, but she understood. On her official website, share.com, Cher said, Britney was extremely sweet and understanding, and I know we will do something together soon. I've told Britney how disappointed I am because I really look forward to performing with her. On November 2nd, Britney told press in Columbus, Ohio, I come from Broadway, so I want to be very theatrical. Britney said that her hopes that the tour was going to go above and beyond. She said, the whole process for me is magical. Hopefully it'll be something people never even imagined or envisioned in their head. I was going through the run-through yesterday and was thinking, by the time I'm 30, there's not going to be anything left for me to do. On October 31st, in Japan, Britney Spears would release her third studio album called Britney six singles would be released from the album. You see, unlike music released today, where most receive the same-day international release, well, the pre-2000s, it was not uncommon to release an album in Japan, then a couple weeks later in Europe, and then in the US. You see, the labels did this to maximize promoting an album. The scattered dates, well, they would allow time for an artist to do press tours to maximize exposure in certain countries. On November 5th, Britney would be released in the U.S. And the next day, November 6th, Cher would release her 24th studio album called Living Proof. It would get released in Japan with a global rollout after a few months. The U.S. release date for Living Proof well, that was February 26, 2002. It debuted at number 9 and Billboard, just like Britney, both albums would have 6 singles. The first week sales for Living Proof, those were over 82,000, which would be Cher's highest debuting album of her career. It would go on to earn gold status with the recording industry of America in March of 2002, having sold over 500,000 copies in the US. By December 2012, the album would have sold over 1 million copies worldwide. On February 12, 2002, Britney Spears Live from Las Vegas was released on DVD. By April 22nd, the video would be honored by the recording industry as gold, then platinum, then two times platinum with sales over 200,000 units. Home video sales and certifications are different than album and single sales and certifications. In September of 2002, Britney Spears Live from Las Vegas would win an Emmy. It would receive it in the outstanding technical direction, camera work, video for a miniseries, movie, or a special. In November of 2002, a year after the recording of Britney Spears Emmy award-winning special, Sherrod's tour, Living Proof, The Farewell Tour, would be recorded in Miami and broadcast in April of 2003. The broadcast would ultimately win three Emmy awards. At the 46th annual Grammy Awards, Cher would be nominated for Best Dance Recording for her song, Love One Another, which happened to be a cover. Ultimately, Kylie Minogue would take home the award for her song, Come Into My World. At the 47th Grammy Awards, Britney Spears would win Best Dance Recording for her song, Toxic. And who was she nominated against? Kylie Minogue with her song, Slow. What else do these women have in common? They started out very young. They got a lot of their training on variety shows. Cher on the Sonny and Cher show. Brittany on the Mickey Mouse Club. Both have been criticized for showing too much skin. Both have been mocked for their voices. Both have had Las Vegas residencies. Both have had concert broadcasts. And both of these have led to Emmys for their creative teams. Both have dated famous men and their relationships are very well documented. Both have had number one songs. Britney and Cher both started the career with number one songs written by one man. Both are Grammy winners. Cher was nominated seven times and won once. Britney Spears has been nominated eight times and won once. Britney and Cher have had their careers last longer than most people would have thought. Both have been married twice, both have had two children, and recently both have had Broadway-bound musicals with their music attached. The one thing that I've seen is that both Cher and Brittany they have had their highs and their lows, and yet they keep coming back. They are the rare artists who some might have given up on and they return, and they return with their most critically or commercially acclaimed work. Cher with her album Believe, and Britney with Blackout. Both would have been given the titles from their fans and critics alike, Cher being called the Goddess of Pop, Britney being called the Princess of Pop. With their careers running decades now, they are two of the few artists who people from different generations can identify. These two women prove that, in fact, the beat does go on. After this episode, I've added a mix that I did. Now I am far from a DJ and my software is very limited. I created a track that featured the Sonny and Cher version of The Beat Goes On, as well as the Buddy Rich version, All Seeing Eyes version, Britney Spears' Incomplete version, and the Britney Spears version from her album. I took those mixes and made my own fun mix. I wanted to also spotlight one of the producers of Britney Spears' The Beat Goes On. Dean is part of a synth-pop trio called the International Teachers of Pop, their new album, Pop Gossip. I cannot recommend this album enough, so follow them on their music streaming services. I asked how much music has changed since the 1990s. He said, production has changed massively. If you have a home computer, you can make a record. Although Beat Goes On was all made in my bedroom and on just a sampler, some synths, and an Atari computer. It becomes more and more difficult to produce something that is truly original and groundbreaking. For those of you music lovers who take time to listen to an album from beginning to end, I asked Dean how important is sequencing an album? Basically, how important is the order that you put the songs in the album? Because Pop Gossip is one of the most consistent albums I've heard in a long time. Dean said, For us, the sequencing is important. We were brought up on albums and not Spotify playlists. Also, the physical limitations of vinyl have always, to some degree, influenced sequencing as well. Get your loud, beady tracks at the start of each side and have something more mellow at the end where the vinyl grooves are tighter and less conducive to good-sounding bass. Don't make your record over 40 minutes long or the quality and the volume drop off. My last question was, How important is music in 2020? He said, It's been a weird year. COVID has killed off live shows. Tours have been canceled. I make music for a living, recording, mixing, mastering. So it's a very huge part of my existence. Luckily I work from home, so I don't have huge overheads to worry about. I'm pretty fortunate compared to a lot of people in this crisis. Well, thank you, Dean. And thank you to our listeners. Now don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your preferred podcast streaming service. As with every episode, we are going to put uh, Spotify, Apple Music links on our website so that you can stream the artists directly. And consider purchasing some art or music by the artists who participate in this podcast. I also wanted to let everyone know that we do have an official Patreon page. For those who do not know what Patreon is, it's an American membership platform based in the U.S. that provides business tools for creators to run a subscription content service. So it allows us creators and the artists to earn a monthly income by providing exclusive rewards and perks to their memberships or their patrons. Our membership here at The Original Dal starts at just a couple dollars a month. So before I play my mix, you can find us at TheOriginalDal.com or on Insta The.Original.Dal Or you can find me on Twitter, at James Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. Here's the mix. You alright? you do Beautiful. Catch you on the flip side.